You're listening to the House Guy and Home Girl podcast, a podcast about real estate and real life. As realtors, home builders, and real estate investors, John and Kim keep it real. Former teachers turned real estate professionals, they have a heart for helping others. Join them each week as they discuss all things home. And now, here's your hosts, John and Kim. Hey, what's up, guys? It's me, John, the house guy. Hope you're ready for a great show this week. Kim, the homegirl, my lovely co-host, is not able to be with us this week, but it's okay because you're still going to get to see her. Last week, we surpassed a huge milestone in the show. We recorded and sent out our 20th episode of the podcast. And I know that some of you haven't been here for all of those episodes. So what we decided to do for this week to celebrate our milestone is to go back through those 20 episodes and get the best of the best golden nuggets out of each show and share those with you. So you can decide, hey, is this the content that I want to listen to? Or is this something that I can use or benefit from or learn from? And if it is, we hope you'll subscribe, leave us a rating and review, subscribe to our YouTube channel. But regardless of any of that, hopefully all the information that we've put out so far will help you. That's our main goal each and every week is to bring you relevant information to home building and real estate buying and selling so that you can make the best, most informed decision on how to move forward in your real estate goals. So Enjoy this week's show. It's a highlight reel of the past 20 episodes. And thanks so much for watching. See ya. And say we're talking to somebody like yourself four or five years ago who's looking to get started in real estate investing. What would be your advice to them to get to get going? Yeah, I mean, for me, once again, your environment may change, you know, so your mileage may vary, as some people would say. Um, but in the market that we were in, for us, I just put myself on, I was like, hey, we're going to... I mean, I went through college, right? Um, I've got a master's degree, did my MBA, some of the other stuff. So I looked at some of them and I'm like, not that those didn't get me anything. I thought they were very valuable, but also too, there is something to doing, right? And so I would say if you're sitting there and do your due diligence on, on your research and everything like that, but at some point you just got to jump in. Mm-hmm. So like I was a kid um, and, you know, scared of heights and, you know, a pretty good swimmer, but there's a place... There's a place in our area here called Point Mallard. And mm-hmm. so if you remember Point Mallard, they've got like three of those big diving boards. And I think the top one was always closed. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you go up, I would go up to the first level. And I remember having to do the walk of shame where I came back down one time. <laughs> right. And so I don't know when what happened, but, you know, one time I went up there and I was like, all right, I'm just not going to think about it. Right. So I went up just to the edge and I held my nose and, you know, cannonballed into it and it, it worked. And so I try to remember that a lot of times with some things when you're doing them, you know, Obviously, I'm not saying, hey, you know, go out and do something that you're not educated on. But there is a certain point where you do need to you do need to take a calculated risk and to, to jump in because then you're going to learn. Right. Right. And you may still hem and haul or you may find out that you don't like it. I don't know. But if you can take a small calculated risk to go to be in to be in the doing phase of it, because I mean, I went 10 years, right? Just reading books on some of the other things. Now I did some of the things, all the books I was reading weren't on real estate, but you know, that, uh, I mean, I probably spent a year, year and a half listening to bigger pockets, you know, before, right. Cause I, 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 tr- I travel and I'm in sales. So I have a lot of car and windshield time. Um, and you know, that, that kind of gave me the courage to do it too. So, so let's get into this, this or that y'all come on. Um, help me out here. So style, which do you prefer? Do you want a farmhouse, craftsman home, um, or had you rather be in a more contemporary, modern 
style of home. So you decide, let me know. Um, a lot of the homes that are being built today are more farmhouse craftsman style, you know, but I see the other two. I see more modern and contemporary, you know. Yeah, I think that modern contemporary is kind of catching on, right? I think people are kind of burnt out on Joanna Gaines and the whole shiplap generation. Well, but it doesn't have to necessarily be like, it can be, um, when I say farmhouse, like, but it can, it's, it's the way that the style is. Like, mm-hmm. if you really research, you're like, oh, well, I didn't know that was a you know a farmhouse style but right. it, it is it and it really like depends on what kind of choices you put in that home you know um craftsman to me you know is like an old river bluff the right. those homes there um but really it's some of the more modern or the, the homes that are being built today so kind of what brought me here is is i have an uncle that still lives in sheffield has lived here for like 35 years and it was really kind of a fluke thing you know growing up in california um i really never even thought about owning a home because prices are crazy and uh, in my early 20s i was uh, very fortunate enough to meet uh, a family that, that helped me purchase a dump truck and so that's what i thought my my life was going to be is and i was good with it was driving a dump truck maybe doing a little bit of dirt work but uh i just happened to stop by my mom's apartment one day just a fluke thing and she said hey your uncle's on the phone say hi to him and it was one of these uncles that uh i didn't really know that well i mean just small talk uh and he said you you got to come out here and i was like where he was like Sheffield, Alabama, and I was like, uh, "Okay." I'm like, "I don't know why I'd go there, but all right." All right. Well, anyway, uh, fast forward, uh, probably about a year, maybe a year and a half, I was living here. Mm-hmm. So I, I, had, I had just gotten married. Literally came out here on the honeymoon to look around. Went to Nashville, came here, and and I'll never forget when I was here. The thing that sold me. And, and again, I wasn't even thinking, you know, uh, wow, I could own rental property or I could build this or that and have a, have a strip center or, you know, build a warehouse. None of them thoughts were in my mind. It was simply that house was 25 grand. Right. And I kept thinking my, my vehicle cost that. (laughs) And I was like, where I was from. I mean, in Santa Barbara County, the average home was like 900 grand to a million bucks. So it, it was hard to me to it was hard for me to comprehend that. But long story short, I, I moved out here. I think it was about 2004, and uh, went to work for my uncle. Was living with my uncle. Uh, that that got old real quick. <laughs> I was swinging a hammer, making eight bucks an hour, and I knew real quick. I was not a carpenter. This one is from Newsweek. It says the housing market is in a tug of war. That's the headline. Housing market in tug of war as prices continue to drop across the U.S. By mid-2022, mortgage rates suddenly more than doubled. Most housing experts predicted that the booming market would finally cool down. After years of high demand, skyrocketing home prices and low inventory heated up the market so much that many aspiring buyers found homes simply unaffordable. Now the prices are starting to come back down. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't see that as much here in our area. Now, we're we're kind of a, a localized market, right? We don't have... Well, we're seeing... 
we're seeing homes on the market longer. Yeah, days on market is extending. So with that being said, you know, there's, there's that's given other people, you know, more of an option. Um, you know, I don't know, like it, it's it's more available to other people because in the past it was like if you like this house, you better run, jump in the car, and see it. You know, as soon as it got listed, and now it's been it's it's you know on the the market. For a for a longer period of time, mm -hmm. so it's available to more people. So you know, it's getting out to those California buyers, or you know, so and also, um, if you remember, like back in the, golly, what um, a year ago um, or so, a house got listed, and you better see it, or two, really two years ago, right? Well, the middle of listed. middle of last year is when we started right. to see a decline. June, but the deal on that was, you know, as soon as it got listed, you had to go see it, and then. You were probably if if somebody really if they really wanted that house, they were probably going to offer the going rate around here was like ten to fifteen thousand dollars above over. asking. Yeah. Strip your contingencies right. away. If your client really wanted that house, you know you you had to really help them in that area because they were we were we were losing houses left and right. right. I mean that's all you were doing for a minute. Right. Me too. Just showing, showing, showing. Rich dad, poor dad is. Um, the number one book that I hear anybody who I look up to or anybody that's uh, got some financial independence that has control of their own time um, is successful in real estate. This is the book that they tell me or that you hear them recommend the most on podcasts, videos, all that kind of stuff. People that I know personally, all that. And so Rich Dad, Poor Dad, the premise is what the rich people teach their kids about money that the poor and middle class do not. The idea behind Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, is that uh, Robert Kiyosaki, the author of this book, had a rich dad and a poor dad. And, and really what it is is it was his father and his friend's father. He uh, grew up, his dad was an educator, which kind of struck me in that book because that's what I was doing. Uh, his dad was an educator, worked his way up to be the head of the education union in Hawaii. And then his friend's dad was a business owner, real estate investor, real estate developer. And he tells his story in this book about how he learned learned from his rich dad the, um, the ways of how to make money work for you. So the first premise in this book is, the rich don't work for money. The rich let their money work for them. How much square footage is a perfect amount? And when you're builders, there's a number, okay? Because we're not obviously moving into the house. We're selling it. So we can't go over and we don't want to go under. So there is a magic number and we want to accommodate our clients and the buying pool but at the same time we don't want to lose our tails either yeah know? it's a perfect fit right like yes. a perfect fit for that particular lot is what we're looking for right. that particular where you're building you know it's like it, it needs to go along with the community or the subdivision right you know well and, and hoa and, but, but highest has, and best use right like right. in other words hey this is a lot we paid x number of dollars for we want to maximize that because we've invested our money and our time into that build. Right. And so if we leave 200 square feet off, right. that's 200 square feet that we didn't make the money for, you know. Right. And we could have just as simply added it. 
you know so and then like you know if we if there was a, a place up top that we could have just added some more structure um to make it yeah, push a wall out or move right. the roof line a little bit make the bonus room a little larger that's added right. square footage right, right. Yeah, so. efficiency is what you're looking for on that um but going to facebook you have um you had a little poll going yeah i put out a post earlier in the week just saying hey how much square footage do you have what's your ideal square footage and a lot of people responded y'all like i um there was a lot of people that responded and kind of said you know it was four days ago that you said that but anyways um and it varied a lot and i think it goes back to you know all the reasons um in choosing square footage um your purpose lifestyle efficiency budget and all you know um all those things that play into finding the perfect square footage but um let's see here i think one thing to me that stood out in that whole like if we're just summarizing everybody's thoughts on it i don't see really anybody saying i wish i had less that's right right like i wish i was about to say so you get that done that's the first step now if you're in the county if you're or if you're even like this this lot that we're building on is in the city but it has uh it doesn't have city sewer access so it is going to require a septic tank an on-site sewage system and so the next step is to complete a septic tank application right and that's going to take about well this one i did took about two weeks it may take longer if there's a you know longer line in front of you or the weather doesn't cooperate so the first part of that is going to be if your if your lot did not have what they call a perk test done a percolation test which basically they come out they dig some holes to see how the water is going to drain in that soil in that in that uh, grade and then they tell you okay here's where your perk is here's how much water flows through that soil and that's going to be Required, you're going to have to have that perk test information when you fill out your septic tank application. Septic systems, they say, will fail regardless over 50 year period. So you have to have a secondary, and that's here in our county, in Colbert County in Alabama. It may be different depending on where you're at, but you're going to have a secondary area where that septic tank can be relocated to in the event of failure of the primary location. So you have a, a, a set field of field lines, and then you have a secondary place. So between all of that, there really winds up being you know, a specific place where your house has to go. Lack of home listings is taking a toll on mortgage demand. Mortgage rates fell last week a little bit. They're still pretty high, They're relatively pretty speaking, high. right? Mm-hmm. And that's what's causing, mm-hmm. like you said, there's still people that have to sell. You mm-hmm. know, job changes, people have to relocate, um, you know, family uh dynamics. Yeah, they can't just sit on that house for two years i mean you've got to sell it and so like you've got to you know the square foot price may have been way up here you know two years ago well unless you wanted to get that way up their price you know you should have sold them because now people the, the amount of money that they're going to have to pay monthly for their mortgage based on the interest rates I can't afford it. Can't afford it, right? And and not only that, but the people that are, unless they're in a, like a family situation or a job situation or something that forces them to move, mm-hmm. most of the people that got those two and a half, three percent mortgages are saying, "I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna sit right here because 
if I sell my house, yeah, I might make some money, but then I got to go out and buy a house and pay 7% interest. Mm -hmm. So I can't. Or they're, they're living comfortably in their, say, 2,500 square foot house, you know, square feet uh, house. And um, they can't afford that same square footage and and have the same you know amenities within their home that they have. Yeah, they're going to have to downsize. Granted, they'll have to right? downsize. Which I mean, some people do that anyway. Some people are doing. We could not do what we do without a good contractor. Oh, without well, I mean, without a team, right? I mean, without a team yes. of great contractors, without a you know um, that we could rely on, you know. And we've you know, like I said, we've got a list and a good. Um, um, in doing this for so long, we've built up our list of contractors. Oh, yeah, like a, a Rolodex. Yeah. Uh, if you know what that is, if you're old enough to know what a Rolodex is. If not, it's a contacts list. Right. And have. so I think, you know, that too, like when we started and where we are now, I can't imagine, like, I mean, man, I'm, I remember because you had to do all the, the work, you know, like asking and who can do this for you and who can do that. And, you know, trying to get those contractors together. Like now we don't think about it as much, but we need to kind of remember where we came from as far as like we couldn't do what we do without good contractors. And that, you know, that kind of sets other builders apart too because um, they have contractors and employees and things like that. And you need to make sure that whoever you choose to build your house or, you know, if you're doing a renovation, um, make sure they're they're checking all these boxes and you know, staying up with their contractors and making sure they do do the work, you know, um, just, you know, hiring this person or that person, like they're not, probably not doing the work, you know, more, probably 95% sure they're not doing the work, they're having somebody else do it, and you need to make sure, and that's who you're going to pay. Yeah, you're you know. following up on all the work, right? right. So, yeah. now how much were you out on that particular job? Flooring? So, not as much as you would think. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, you can you can go on the higher end, you mm-hmm. know, for some of that stuff. And it, it could definitely cost you a good chunk of change. Mm-hmm. But, again, I was thinking. Even um, the higher end of vinyl. Yeah. Or, yeah. LVP, luxury plank vinyl. Yeah, Yeah. I lucked out because a friend had actually sent me a link to some vinyl flooring at Home Depot that was only 99 cents a square foot. Gotcha. So you could look at it and be like, oh, well, that's cheap or whatever. But honestly, it was the shade that I liked. It was the kind of like look I was kind of like going Mm -hmm. for. And again, I was like, this is an easy solution, easy fix. It looks great. Mm -hmm. It does not feel like it's, you know, it doesn't feel cheap Mm -hmm. at all. And it just helped overall make the whole the rooms come together so, so you are that is a like a great example of what john and i like that's kind of like we've got a process when we do remodel uh-huh. and we have to we don't want to spend too much we want to yep. give the home just a few wow factors mm-hmm. but you know when it comes to certain <clears throat> things you know we have to look at all the variables you mm-hmm. know and like you know i think that you you chose something that you liked it mm-hmm. ne- it necessarily wasn't the best thing on the market Mm -hmm. but it fit what you were looking for right and then you you know obviously created your desired outcome Mm -hmm. so good for you a plus a plus 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 i got i got i got an a plus from kim that's all i ever Uh, most of the fears you have regarding career change are unfounded and irrational you have the ability to do it but you're going to say, oh, I can't afford the insurance or there's no way that I can do that because I've got to do this. The thing about it is if you're called to it to do it, you'll find a way to make it happen. And God's not going to let it not be so. Right. So what you need to do is follow it. Take action. Don't sit around and make excuses and determine 
or all the things that you're saying, because I did that. I was really scared about insurance. Like it's going to just basically bankrupt us about the insurance, but it didn't. You know, here we are. We're, we're fine. Everything happened. No, it's like extremely, you know, way more money than we pay now. But in the grand scheme of things, like it's not, I'll pay it. I'll pay that price, you know, versus, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it works out. Yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing is you got to determine if you are kind of like Kim was delaying what you know you're supposed to do because of an unfounded fear or because of a, you know, just somehow rationalizing it away. If you're, if you know you need to have a, if you know in your heart that you need to change careers, then taking that leap is really the most important thing. Just do it, take action and go. So typically the way that the ladder works is you start with a single family home, then you go into some small multifamily, then you go into maybe larger multifamily or vacation rentals if that's something that interests you. And then on up into commercial, you know, bigger uh, apartments or bigger uh, retail spaces, stuff like that. And then even maybe some syndication where, you know, a lot of people pool a lot of money together and make a corporation or a business and they go out and buy as much real estate as they can or a big piece of property and everybody gets a piece of that, you know. So whatever it is, whatever you're, wherever you are on the road to real estate investing, um, just know that it's a great opportunity for you uh, to make some money. It's very incentivized by the IRS and the government. They want you to do it. And to me, I, I just really, really, truly believe in real estate investing as a great vehicle to create wealth and change your family tree. But we're here to help. And every step of the way, I mean, um, we're real estate agents are your voice in um, buying or selling. Yeah, because that process can get confusing, you know, mm-hmm. and, and our heart really is to help people through mm-hmm. the process that we've been through multiple times with our own purchases, with our own sales, and also with clients that we've helped. So, you know, this process is, it can be really smooth if you have somebody that can help you through there and know what they're doing. And if you want that to be us, we'd be glad to help you any way we could. Let me just go ahead and um, just put my two cents in as a real estate agent. Y'all don't waive the home inspection on, um, on a contract, you know, um, two years ago when homes were literally flying off the shelf, people were just waving the home inspection just to be able to get the house that they wanted. And there's so many things that the naked eye or an untrained eye can't detect or see. And so that's where a good home inspector comes in and will just comb over everything. Um, and so when you do that, you get a good report and here are the 10 things that a home inspector may find and these are these are the alarming um, things and usually if you have a really good home inspector when you get the report these things are in red um, you know there's they're usually color-coded with his his findings are color are color-coded usually and um, I don't know like red I think green. that's a, I think there's a um what do you call that? Like a protocol or whatever for the National Association of Home Inspectors mm-hmm. that gives you blue, orange, and red. Okay. So blue is like maintenance items, orange is like caution items, and red is like danger items. Um, that's at least that's the reports that we see right, right. Here, here in our local market. And that's so. where I go when I get when a uh, a client shares a home inspection with us. I look I look for those reds. Um, you know, I'm not to say that I'm not looking at the greens and all the other things, but I really want to make sure, like, what are the big things that have to be done? Safety issues. Yeah. Things to consider when choosing your home builder. So, first of all, I think the most important thing a person can do when they're getting ready to choose a home builder is talk 
through with their partner or if they're building it by themselves, talk through what their expectations are and their needs are for their home. You know, so when you're sitting there and you're going, okay, we're going to build this house. What do you want from the house? What do I want from the house? Let's try to make this process good so that when we go out and talk to a contractor, go out and talk to a builder and we're interviewing them, we know who fits our needs. Honestly, though, like my personal take on that, I honestly think that you guys, like you, your wife, your husband, whoever you're building the house with, y'all need to have a bottom number period. I mean, that's really where you need to start. Like you need to start with a number and in that number, um, you know, you kind of want to get your financing in order. If you're, you know, this is before you talk to a, a builder and you're thinking about building, you really need to have a solid number because that's where we see things go bad. I just, just this week, oh man, it just broke my heart. And I kind of want to go back and like see who owns that property because I would like to finish it but I just saw a house and you know like it's there's weeds grown up I mean five feet tall and it's framed up it's got you know particle board um, on the house it does have a roof and that's it like there's still paper on the house and you can tell it's been there for months giving you the best five things you need to do before you go out of town on vacation uh, summer travel season, you guys are probably preparing to go on a trip, get out of town, take a break, do whatever you need to do. And the last thing you want to do is come back to a bunch of problems at home uh, with your with your house. So these five tips will give you some ideas of some things that you should handle uh, before you leave. All right, so let's jump into it. First of all, first and foremost, the number one thing you can do before you leave is make sure that you get the water to your home turned off. Just turn it off. Go to, the, go to the water main out at the street, or if you have a, a shutoff valve near your home, turn that water off, because you don't want, uh, I've heard of people, you know, I had friends even that have had problems with going out of town and a pipe burst, and next thing you know, they are gone for a week, two weeks, whatever, and that water's been running the entire time. The house gets flooded, and that's the, uh, the biggest mess you've ever seen in your life. So to alleviate that, just turn the water off before you leave just declutter get out there start you know set your timer in the evenings whatever you need to do um but it will make you happier and also when you're selling your home in the end you know it's uh, a lot easier to sell a decluttered home and it's also a lot easier to move uh from a decluttered home um and one more tip that i forgot to add in there um now that i thought about it i read somewhere where it said um, as you declutter pre pretend that you're moving rental properties and and investing in real estate really uh is a vehicle that we choose because it's a tangible asset that that we can go and visit and be there and touch it and we can force appreciation we can do things to make it better we can improve it and that in turn makes our investment worth more money right so the first thing yeah, as far as investing you know when we first got into real estate investing we were looking at it as a passive income you know what can we how can we grow our income passively and not necessarily you know go and clock in somewhere and get a paycheck for it and so we've created this passive income via rental property okay that's one of the ways that we uh, invested in real estate and also um, we use our rental property as 
that's the first topic is rentals. You know, you, rental property, right? Rental yeah. property is the first thing that you can get into when you're investing. And I had somebody to tell me one time, and I know you knew this was coming up. Um, if you buy a house, one house for each of your children that you have, and use that one particular house at the end of it, you know, when they're born. When they're born or when they're small, right? Yeah, when they're when they're little, just buy a house for you know a child for every child you have, and then when they go to college, sell it, and that's what you can use to pay their college tuition. So the difference between custom cam when we say custom cabinetry and stock cabinetry, basically, it, if you have a length of wall, right, and you want to put stock cabinets in there, they only come in certain sizes. So let's say you have ten feet, you might get three three foot cabinets and then you have a one foot left over right so you're gonna have some space there at the end or you got to figure out how to just use the building blocks it's like tetris the pieces that are there and plug those into the wall versus a custom cabinet builder can come in there and take that foot that you have left over spread it three inches on each cabinet mm -hmm. and make them fit the wall perfectly right? right so then when we do new home construction we do a lot of custom cabinetry because we want it to be uh, perfectly aesthetic for the space you mm -hmm. know so uh, as we're talking and about as that, as far as like expense goes, though, custom cabinets will run you quite a bit more than the stock cabinets. Oh, absolutely, custom anything, and is the quality is be. a little better too because it's you know usually they use wood, and, and the other is wood per se, but you know it's fabricated in a warehouse, and you know it's it's not custom. So right, there yeah, you go. So that's it's, the it's the cheaper of the two, you know. But that's not to say that it's not a bad cabinet. You know, a home grows in value. Once When you buy a new car or, you know, a new-to-you car, that car sits out there and it loses value. Homes keep their value generally. I mean, Most if, of the time, yes. Most of the time, yes. And, you know, that goes back to choose the right location and things like that. To me, location is... Yeah, that's what they say. So location, important. location, location. Right. First I mean, rule of real estate. You right? know, if you've got... If, you know... Real quick though, if you're, you know, I can afford a house between 300 to 350. That's my top. And if there's a really good house that you like at 350 in a really good location, spend that extra 50 because three years from now that 50 may grow to 150. Mm -hmm. You know, where the the lower location home may only have increased to, you know, 50. Period right. over those three years. So location is very important. But we look forward to hearing from you if you're looking for. Um, if you are a first-time home buyer, we'd love to walk you through this process and show you a home and get you into your own home with your own keys and moving that couch out. <laughs> moving that couch. That's right. That's so right. don't forget to subscribe, leave us a rating or review, and we'll see you on the next show. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the House Guy and Home Girl podcast, your number one source for all things home. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out our YouTube page for video content from the show.